time here today, we ask that you do one thing. On the seat in front of you, there's a connect card. If you just grab that card and sometime during service, fill that out, and then you can just leave it on your seat or put it in the offering bucket when it passes by, and we'd have a record of you being here. With that being said, let's take the next 60 seconds, get out of our seats, and tell somebody that God is good.
everybody. How you doing this morning? Come on, you doing good? You feel good? It's nine o'clock service. Come on, the coffee's fresh in you. Next service, it'll be wore out, so I don't know, we need, we need, I think we need to start spicing up the second service coffee or something. So normally the nine o'clock service is pretty lively, so glad that you're here this morning. Well, listen, we're going to continue in our series. Um, we've been in this series for two weeks now. This will be week three called It's Time. And uh, if you've missed any of the messages uh, for whatever reason, you can always go to oscconnect.com or you can go download our app and you can listen to any of the previous messages. And you can also listen to some of the other pastors in our, in our family of churches. And um, those guys are incredible. And so uh, we're going to continue today <clears throat> with the series. And the title of my message is, It's Time to Move Forward. It's time to move forward. I don't know how you walked in today. I don't know what you've been struggling with. I don't know how you ended the last year. But I think most of us in this room would say, I want this year to be better than last year. By show of hands, tell me if that's you. I would love for this year to be better than last year. Even if last year was good, it can always be what? Better, right? And that's a good and godly desire. But here's a guarantee I want to give you today. <clears throat> and I hope this doesn't take the wind out of your sails, but you will, you will face some unexpected delays. You're going to face some setbacks, and you're going to face some trouble this year. So I'm not trying to deflate you. I'm saying keep on with your vision and your goal to have a better year, but just know and, and expect that there's going to be some trouble along the way. So look at your neighbor and say, trouble's coming. I'm not trying to prophesy. In fact, I'm just, I'm just quoting really what the Bible says. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 16. He said this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in who? In me. Jesus is saying that we need to have peace in him, in Jesus Christ. He's making a very distinct difference from where our peace should be found. He says, you should have so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have what? Trials and sorrows. But take heart because I, the one to whom you're supposed to have peace in, have overcome the world. Now, let me just clear this up real quick. If you think that you're going to find peace in this world, and that's where your peace is going to be found in worldly things, then you're already set up for disaster. Jesus said, you will find peace and you can have peace in me. It's in our relationship. It's in the day-to-day -day relationship with Jesus. It's not in the things of this world. That was better than you, amen. I don't care what you say. That was good preaching right there. You can have peace in Jesus, so don't try to find it in the world or worldly things. You will only find peace that lasts in Jesus. And that's simply because he has overcome the world. So some of us have dealt with failure. Some of us have dealt with some, some tragedies. Some of us have dealt with some sin, some deep disappointments. And, and all those things are painful. And every one of us has experienced them because it's deeply personal. How many of you just love to fail? I didn't think I would see it. I was hoping I wouldn't see a show of hands. Uh, but when failure comes, who's usually your greatest critic? Yourself, right? You don't need anybody to tell you that you've messed up. Why? Because you're already beating yourself up. Isn't that true? Well, what if I told you that this year, your greatest, the key to your greatest success 
is determined by how you deal with your failures. The key to your greatest success is determined by how you deal with your failures. What are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying I'm going to fail? Yeah, yeah, you're going to fail. I don't know how many times you're going to fail, but you're going to fail this year. You're going to fail, and it's going to hurt. You're going to fail, and you're going to want to beat yourself up. You're not going to be perfect every day. No one is. In fact, God is the only one that was perfect, right? We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail, and sometimes you're going to fail miserably. But how you deal with your failure has a lot to say with how you will meet success this year. Because I want you to write this down. Failure is never final with God. Failure is never final with God. You see, the the more I serve God and the more I follow Christ and the more I continue to live a a life that would honor and, and bring glory to him, the more I understand that he is greater than my failures. He is greater than my mistakes. In fact, he already preloaded some things for us so that when we fail, there is a way out. Because even he didn't want us to fail and be stuck there, right? He, he provides a way out from the failure. <clears throat> Sometimes the best experience you can learn from or the best experience you can have is someone else's experience. How many of you know that to be true? Like sometimes it's, it's good to learn from people. <laughs> it's better than walking through it yourself, right? That's why we should study history. And you may or may not love history, but the, the, the good thing about history is that it teaches you how people in the past have failed. You can see patterns and habits and decisions that were made in the past so that you can overcome failure in the future. So sometimes if you don't have your own experience, you can borrow somebody else's. That's good news. But the Bible is full of failure. Sometimes we get naive and we think the Bible's full of heroes. And I have many heroes in the Bible. But there's one thing I love about the Bible, and it's this, is that it shows us the humanity of man. It shows us the failures of man. But when it shows us the failure of man, it also shows us how the man gets back up. And I think that's important for us to glean from other people's failures and their experiences in getting back up and apply them to our own life. Amen? So, so let me give you a few examples, because sometimes reading your Bible can be more like a reality show instead of a Marvel comic. If you don't believe me, just read the Old Testament. I mean, that's some drama. If you like reality shows, turn that off and read the Old Testament. (laughs) You'll live a better life. (laughs) So let me give you a few examples. Noah drank too much. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a liar. David had an affair and was a murderer. Gideon was a coward. Samson had a girl problem. Jonah ran from God. Martha was a worrier. The disciples abandoned Jesus In his darkest hour, the Samaritan woman found love in all the wrong places. Elijah was a little suicidal, and Paul was a murderer. Full of failure. Full of failure. Yet God still used them. 
That God chose to use them. In fact, he, he chose to use them, and he chose, them, chose to put them in his book, which I think is pretty incredible. I'm like, man, if, if God was still writing the book today, like, would my name be in the book? Jamie was a cool y'all. <laughs> you ought to be feeling better about yourself by now. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> here's the reality. Sometimes we blow it. Let's just, let's just be honest. Sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we misunderstand things or misjudge things. And we say the wrong things and we do the wrong things. Sometimes we drop the ball. Let me give you three reasons why we fail. Number one, uh, we fail because we are at fault. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. Those are the ones I hate the most. Can I just be honest with you? I mean, like somebody could cut me off in traffic, run me off the road. I'm going to be mad. But like if I just run off the road on my own and hit the ditch and somebody's going to come put me, I'm really mad. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we have trouble. Sometimes we fail and we are at fault. It could be because of our own sin from choosing to live our way instead of God's way. Another reason we fail is because they are at fault. Sometimes other people put their sin on you and with their actions, their words, and their deeds can cause failure or crisis in your life. So sometimes it's our fault, sometimes it's other people's fault, and then sometimes it's no one's fault. Number three. Sometimes it's simply because we live in a fallen world. Right? I mean, your tire is going to go flat. Not today. Because you came to church. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but these are the gray areas. Maybe it's just an attack by Satan. You know, he still does attack. It's not always somebody else's fault. Not everything is always his fault, too. I think he, get, he gets overaccused sometimes. But he does still attack, and he still does try to bring failure and make it final in our lives. So this morning, I want to use the example of my personal hero, Peter. Peter's my, my favorite Bible character. Uh, I love Peter because if I, if I have a vision of Peter, he's a tall man, kind of muscular, but like country muscles. You know what I'm saying? He's not like sculpted in a gym. This brother got like real muscles, like them, you know, them country boy, like pulling a net all day long and, and just got net biceps, you know. Just brutally, just just rough and rugged, a man's man, right? And and Peter, Peter says things at times that are just dumb, and I can just relate to that because I said a few dumb things in my life at the wrong time, and I and I love Peter, but but let's let's look at Peter. Peter was called the Rock, who failed miserably, miserably, and still became the Rock. How did he do that? Jesus calls him the rock because Peter says, you're the Christ, you're Jesus. Jesus goes, man, you're Peter now because you're the rock and I'm going to build my church on you. And, and the Lord has revealed this to you. And then not even a couple sentences later, he gets told, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, man, Peter, you messed that up quick. Peter's the guy who had enough courage to step out of the boat and walk on water. Only to fail and sink in the water moments later. But at least he tried, right? Because the rest of them were scared. 
But Peter's greatest failure is his greatest failure is the one that we most know him for, and that's when he denied Jesus three times. Man, you think about Peter, and you think, man, he was so close to Christ, so close, and he failed, failed at the wrong time. Let's, let's pick up that story in Luke chapter 22. This is the third time he denies Jesus, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're saying, Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And here's the hard part. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I, I, I remember the, the image of that portion in The Passion, the movie. How many of you remember that portion in, in that movie, The Passion, where, where the rooster crows and they're carrying Jesus off and he gives that, that look towards Peter. Man, I was crushed for Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. How do you recover? How do you come back from that? I mean, Peter was the guy that in the garden cut, cut one, of the, the peop, one of the guys who were coming to arrest Jesus, he cut one of their ears off. Peter was the guy who would constantly stand up and say, not, not on my watch. Peter was the guy who got to go into the, to the mountainside where Jesus' body was uh, illuminated and, and there was, uh, I think, Moses and, and Elijah was there. Peter was there. Peter got invited further into the garden than, than most of the other disciples. He was a part of the, the intimate three. He was a part of the, the inner circle. And yet in a moment like this, Peter finds himself failing miserably. And you go, how do you recover from Jesus hearing you say, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know this Christ. You see, there's three phases to failure that we need to be aware of. Phase one is the moment. That was the moment when Peter said, I don't know what you're saying. No one would have ever thought Peter would have failed at this level. Maybe you can relate to Peter today. Maybe, maybe you crossed the line in a relationship. Maybe you did something recently you're very ashamed of. Or perhaps you, you're caught in a, in a web of sin. Maybe you crumbled, under, you crumbled under pressure and made a bad choice. Maybe you feel that you, you've completely let your family down. Maybe you can relate to Peter today. And if you can, I want to just give you a little bit of courage and hope Pick your head back up because we're going to finish the message today and you're going to be able to get back up. So it doesn't matter how you walked in here today. It doesn't matter if you brought your failure with its guilt and its shame in here today. You can walk out today a different person. There's the moment. It's the moment it happens. You know what's funny about sin and failure is that sin and failure never tells you what's on the other side of it. It never tells you about the darkness that's there. It never tells you about the emptiness that's there. It, so sin looks all promising on the front side. It looks glorious. And, oh, this is going to fulfill all my desires. And then all of a sudden, when you do it, there's a backside. And in that land called the backside, there's darkness, there's emptiness, there's condemnation, there's shame, there's guilt. And listen to me. It's instant. It's instant. 
As a Christian, when you fail, listen to me, it's instant. You're on the backside. So Peter straight up fails, which leads to the second phase called the pain. Verse 62, the very next verse, listen to what it says. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's the backside of sin. That's the backside of failure. There's an instant weeping, an instant bitterness. I find it funny that it uses the word bitter here because oftentimes when we make bad decisions and we follow our own desires and we don't follow after God's spirit, there's that backside moment. And then there's, if we're not careful, then here comes a bitterness that wants to rise up inside of us. So when we fail, bitterness wants to rise up like a, like a good old chicken tree. It just wants to rise up real fast in your life and it wants to be annoying and it wants you to be bitter at God. It wants you to be bitter at life. It wants you to be bitter at other people. And watch this one. It wants you to be bitter at yourself. What if the greatest act of forgiveness you ever do is forgiving yourself? For your failures and your mistakes. What if nobody else is holding you captive but you? Can you set yourself free today? from your failures and your mistakes. There was a pain. I think sin was intended to be painful because I think pain is an indicator that we've gone the wrong direction. You see, Satan wants you to get to questioning things. Well, why, why did God let this happen? Well, why did this happen to me? Why, 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 why was I so foolish? You know the devil wants you to focus on why? You want to know Why? Because as long as you focus on why it happened, you never get to getting past it happening. Because what you stare at, you eventually become. He's trying to get Peter to focus on himself, to focus on his problems, to focus on his sin, and to get his focus off of who? To get his focus off of God. If he can get Peter to lose his focus... If he can get Peter to take his eyes off of God and see where his redemption comes from, if he can get Peter to change his perspective and put it on his problem and his sin, then he's got him trapped now. And now all of a sudden, Peter's in his head. Peter's in his emotions. Peter's caught up in his guilt and his shame. And he's, he can't see the way out because his focus changed. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to us today. He's trying to catch you in failure because you're going to fail. He knows it. All of heaven knows it. But we need to realize, I'm going to fail but I have a way to get back up and the quicker I get back up the less I have to deal with the enemy the less I have to struggle to get back up because you see the longer you stay down the harder it is to get back up the enemy's tricked worked in Peter's life Peter lost his perspective Peter started thinking this was the end. In fact, it affected him so much that he left the ministry and went back to his former profession of fishing. You see what happened? Now here's what's crazy. is Jesus told Peter he was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed. 
Yet it still happened. That's the frustrating part of sin. Is that the Bible's clear about sin. It tells us exactly what sin is. It tells us exactly what it looks like. It describes it to a T. We all know it's sin. But when we sin, that's the hard part. Is that we know better, so now we beat ourselves up because we knew better. Right? It got Peter so bad that he left the ministry completely, went back to fishing. That's the pain. That's the pain. See, many of us let our, our failures disqualify us. But like I told you from the beginning, failure is never final with God. Which brings us to the third phase of failure, and that's the purpose. Even failure has a purpose. See, the cool thing I've learned about God over these years is that he can take mud and make a sculpture. He can take your filthiness, your sin, your shame, your condemnation, your guilt, and he can turn it into something better. He really is a miracle worker. He really is the way maker, a promise keeper. I was tempted to sing the song, but <laughs> there's a purpose. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, the first thing that he said was, go find my disciples, watch this, and Peter also. Now think about this. The last time Peter and Jesus saw each other, Peter had just denied him for the third time. He heard the rooster crow. Jesus looks at him. They make eye contact. Peter quits the ministry, goes back to fishing. Jesus goes to the cross, dies there. Three days later, raises from the grave. And who does he ask for? His disciples and Peter. Oh, you got to hear this this morning. He knew that Peter was struggling. He knew that Peter was in his head. He knew that Peter was caught up in his failure. He knew that Peter lost his focus and his perspective. That's why he said, go get my disciples and Peter. He singled him out. He made it specific to Peter. Go get Peter. Where's Peter? That's the beautiful thing about God is that when we fail, he still knows our name. He still calls our name. He says, where are you at? Come on back. Now watch this. Peter didn't come to Jesus. Jesus went to Peter. Watch this. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Then here we go, John 21. Watch this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now let me back the story up. Jesus takes off walking. He, re, he understands where Peter's at. Peter's fishing, right? Backslidden. All backsliders fish on Sunday. <laughs> Unless it's after church, then you get a grace pass. But if you fish during church time, you don't catch nothing. I've tried. Just free side note. Don't frustrate yourself. Go to church, then go fishing and have a big catch. But anyway, Jesus goes to find Peter. Jesus walks up on the shore. Peter and some of the disciples are fishing. 
They can't recognize him because they're a couple hundred yards away. And Jesus hollers at him. He says, hey, you guys caught anything? Nope. Throw your nets on the right side. And when they did, the Bible says they caught 153 large fish. Come on, somebody. If you listen to Jesus, you'll catch large fish. They're starting to pull it in. The boat's starting to sink. All of a sudden, Peter remembers, I've been here before. This was the first time I met Jesus. Isn't this good? Peter goes straight up Forrest Gump. He jumps out the boat. I'm serious. That's where they got Forrest Gump from. I mean, Peter jumps out the boat. The Bible says he threw his thing back on, and he just takes out. The boat was a couple hundred yards from the shore, the Bible says. He just bails out. I'm going to see Jesus. So what was Jesus' position when Peter came back? You want to see it? He already had a fire going. He had breakfast cooked. He had a meal planned and prepared for his moment to reconcile Peter. And Jesus says, hey, man, they embrace. He says, come on, sit down. Let's have some breakfast. Let's, let's redo this relationship. Let's start it over again. Oh, you got to get this this morning. Because when you fail, Satan says it's over. But the truth is, is when you fail, Jesus gives you a do-over. You get to come back. You get to sit at the fire. You get to eat breakfast. You get to be back in relationship with him again. You know what happens when you get in the habit of sitting at the fire and eating with Jesus every time you just failed? You know what you get in the habit of doing? You get in the habit of staying up and not falling anymore. Because you realize being re redeemed and reconciled back to Christ feels so incredible that I don't ever want to fall again. In fact, that's what keeps you from falling again. It's not because you, you're going to be afraid to be called a bad person. It's because you realize that he will always be there with a fire, with some fish and some cakes, and he wants to sit down and restore the relationship with you. You get in the habit of jumping out the boat, even though it's 100 yards away, sitting at the, at the pit with Jesus and eating... And you'll learn how to stay up. How do you know that, Pastor? Because that's the story of my life. I'm a failure. I've failed in many ways. I've hurt tons of people. I've done tons of dumb stuff. I've embarrassed myself, my family, my church. I've embarrassed Christ. And every time I do, I want to crawl into a cave and beat myself. But there's this voice that keeps calling me back out. It's my name. He calls me Jamie, and he calls me son. He says, you come back. I've not left you. I've not turned my back on you. And you know what I've learned over the years? That when I fall, I can get back up. I should get back up, and I need to get back up right now. I don't need to give the enemy any more time than, than what he's gotten already. Amen? And what do I do? 
What do I do when I get back up? I get back up and I get before God and I say, Lord, I failed again. I'm sorry. I need your help. It seems like every time I think I got everything under control, I stumble and I fall. Would you please forgive me? And I grab a hold of 1 John. That's my life verse. You want to hear me? That's my life verse that Jesus says, if I'll confess my sin to him, he will forgive me. And not only forgive me, watch this, he'll cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I hang on to John, 1 John 5. I hang on. Why? Because I need to hang on. Because he said, if I'll just come back and confess my sin, he's faithful to forgive me and cleanse me. Jesus brings Peter back from his failure. He restores his faith. He restores his hope. He's bringing him back to his destiny, his place of his calling. Remember, Jesus is the one that called him the rock, the one on whom I'm going to build my church. Well, listen to me. They're in a time crunch. Jesus is about to send in, ascend into heaven, and the church is about, about Acts 1 or 2 is getting ready to happen, and, and the church is getting ready to be established. It's a time. There's some pressure here. G- Peter needs to become the rock again. Do you know there's some pressure on you to get back up? Now you, this side didn't hear what I said. There's some pressure on you to get back up. You know why? Because we're in a time crunch. We're not going to be here forever. There's people that need you to get back up and be the church to be the rock, to to bring hope to somebody else. Because you see, you know who brings the best hope? is those who have found hope. Like not not learned hope, but found hope. Then they turn around, they bring some real hope back to somebody else. Amen? It's important for us to get back up. Peter still had a future. Jesus still had a purpose for his life. Three steps to falling forward. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Number one, you need to make a change. You need to make a change. You, you have to acknowledge your sin. If, if you refuse to acknowledge your sin, you're walking in more sin. It's called pride. So you're trying to put out fire with fire. It don't work. Acknowledge your sin. Own your sin. But let it be getting rid, let, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't hold it too long. Acknowledge it. Don't be afraid to say I've sinned. Listen to me. You sin every day. Okay, this side's not listening anymore. You sin every day. Every one of us does. I can, I can sit on my bed every night and go through a laundry list of things that I did that are called sin. And I need to. I learned that habit from my grandmother. Every night when she came home from work, she would sit on the edge of her bed and she would talk to God. Make a change. We need to to fight to return back to a place of intimacy with God. This is where the real wrestle is. So you're going to sin, you're going to fail, right? We've established that this morning. I know that's not very encouraging, but listen to me. It's just a reality. It's just the truth. I'm giving you a way to get back up. Acknowledge your sin. Confess your sin. But this is where the rubber meets the road, y'all. This is the hard part. 
Number one, you've got to pay attention to yourself. You've got to pay attention to yourself to take responsibility for yourself. You need to remember what you said to those people that was mean and hurtful. You need to remember that attitude you had all over your face. You remember how you acted in front of the kids when somebody cut you off on Highway 190? James 4, 6 says this, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You need to open your life up to Christ and make it a daily habit of confessing your sin and repenting of your sin. Amen? Because we can fall into the blame and shame game if we want to. Grace says that you're not as bad as you think you are, but you aren't as good either. I have to be the first one to go and say that I've blown it. If I'm, if I'm going to be a mature Christian, I should be the first to go and say I'm sorry. So when I've been a knucklehead with my wife, I should be the first person to go and say, baby, I blew it. Please forgive me. How long do I want her to slam the cabinets? How long do I want the silent treatment? How long do I want to hear her stomping through the house? Baby, I've been a knucklehead. Please forgive me. That was probably for this weekend. We, we did some work together, and we don't work, always work well together. But <laughs> So number one, you need to make a change. Number two, you need to move forward. If you're grieving and feeling sorry over a failure or a disappointment that took place years ago, you need to come to a place of peace and release. Listen to me. You can't unscramble the eggs. What was done was done. It's time to get released from it. It's time to find peace in Christ again. Amen? It's time to deal with it. You're not meant to carry it. That's a different religion that says you have to carry this thing. That's, that's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different doctrine. That's not, the, that's not the gospel. The gospel says you can come back just as you are. So number two, we need to move forward. You can't change the past, but you can change where you're going. But you can never get to where you're going if you're still dwelling in the past. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Not many sentences from here, there's a verse that says, what can separate us from the love of God? Not even you can separate you from the love of God, right? You got to go from why to what's next. And then number three, keep moving forward. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Failure's never final. When you fall, here it is, confess, repent, and move forward. Confess, Repent. That means to turn around and go in a different direction. You've got to make some changes in your life. And keep moving forward. You can't afford to live in your mistakes. Amen? Amen. Last verse. Paul said it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good. 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Watch this. If we don't give up. If God's not giving up on you, then you don't give up on you. Amen? And don't give up on other people. We're too quick to write people off. It's the 20th time they've, they've been strung out and thrown in jail. Well, what if 21 is when God touches them? The same is true for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that failure is never final. It's never final, God. You made a way for us. The cross still works today. The blood still applies today. The blood still cleanses today. It's just as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago. Still works. It's still your heart, God, for us to get up and to keep going. It's all throughout your Bible. Moses and Abraham, Jonah, David, fell flat on their faces, Lord. Yet they still got back up. It was the relationship that got them back up, Lord. It was the relationship. That's why the relationship is so important. It's our relationship with you that keeps us getting up. Time and time and time again. Until one day we're walking past that struggle. Realizing that you hadn't fallen in a while. Instead of boasting about it, you begin to cry and tell God, thank you. share a quick story with you. Coming into the holiday season this year, a good friend of mine, he comes to this church, he, he's had problems with drugs in the past. It's, it's nearly taken him out. And we had a prayer moment, one service, and he came to the front and I was praying for him. I said, how can I pray for you? And he said, he said, man, the holidays are coming. And he said, man, I just, it's hard. He said, it's always the hardest time because that's when I would always get the, the drunkest and the most stoned was during the holidays. He said, man, just pray for me, man. I, just, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall. And man, he said, I remember his heart was just so sincere. And so we prayed. I prayed a prayer of faith over him. I just said, Lord, I pray you help him. Help him to get through this season, God. And make it past it without any failures. It was not long after New Year's. He called me before church and he said, he said, bro, you ain't going to believe this. I didn't even realize this until this morning. I went through the whole holiday season and I wasn't even tempted one time. He said, I was all afraid of it on the front side. We prayed and asked God to help me. And my focus was in a whole nother place. And I was not once tempted drugs again you see it's in the relationship it's always in the relationship 
and God is your helper. If you're mean, God is your helper. If you're stubborn, God is your helper. If you're struggling, God is your helper. So Lord, we bless you today. I thank you for that story, God. I pray that over every one of us, Lord, that you move in us mightily today. So with every head bowed and eye closed this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to meet Christ today. If you've never met Christ, you've never been born again, or you've never given your life to Jesus, the Bible says that today you can do that today. You can make that decision right now, right here today. The wind doesn't have to be perfect. The sun doesn't have to be just right. You can make that decision right now. The Bible says it's simply doing it this way. It's by admitting that you're a failure, that you've fallen short of God's glory. It's believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And it's confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So no one looking around this morning, if that's you, you want to make that decision to be born again today, just quickly lift your hand for me. Just lift your hand real quick. I want to be born again. Praise God, everybody's born again. Now, Lord, we thank you for today. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Come on, church. The ushers are going to come forward. We're going to get ready to receive tithes and offerings. And I'm excited. I'm excited about belonging to a generous church and being a part of all that God's doing. You know, we're making room for more kids. We're working on the building. The electrical got roughed in this, this past week. All the framework's done. We've got a work day on February the 8th coming up. I need all hands on deck. We've got plenty to do pray we need to pass an open wall inspection the plumbers are coming next week to rough in the plumbing and then we'll be ready for the open wall inspection and then we'll be ready for sheetrock to come in and then it's going to really start looking like something and so i'm getting excited i'm, I'm getting fired up big plans so please if you're if you're wanting to give and can give and you want to continue to give just simply put legacy or building on your on your gift and it'll go directly towards that and thank you for tithing I don't know if you've ever tithed before, but maybe this is the time you need to start tithing. Maybe you need to tithe for one solid year and see what God does. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of worship. Amen? Lord, bless the gift. Bless those that are giving. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to even say you needed to hear that. One thing that stuck with me is uh, when he said, failure is never final. And uh, in my walk, it was the Lord kind of showed me that we only lose if we give up. Because Christ has already gotten the victory. So the devil tries to get you to give up. So as long as we can instill it in our hearts that no matter what, we just won't give up then we'll never lose and the failures become easier to get up from. Uh, we want to remind everybody to check in on Facebook. Uh, you never know who's following you and one day they just might follow you all the way to church. Uh, you should have gotten some announcements this morning. Just uh, look at the calendar. Mark your calendar. Uh, we have prayer and fasting going on right now. 
We'll meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6.30 here at the church. You're welcome to join. With that being said, will everybody stand, please? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this word today. Father, we ask that you just seal it on our heart and that you just strengthen us this week to continue to move forward. Bless us as we go. Create opportunities for us to to be a light and a witness of the work you completed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a good week.